0: Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So, sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a polo sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swersky Sports Talk Chicago.
1: In Chicago, you know
2: that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite
0: everybody welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago this is your hosts Alex and Sean on this episode we are going to be talking about the NHL draft the Cubs and White Sox baseball we'll be talking the beginnings of NBA free agency but we will not be talking about Zion Williamson I can assure you that but first I'd like to thank our sponsor the Rockford Ice Hawks. If you're not familiar with the Rockford Icehawks, they're the AHL minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You could see the stars of tomorrow today at family-friendly affordable prices. Season is over, but that shouldn't stop you from heading on over to icehawks.com. Get yourself a hat, j- shirt, jersey, sign up for season tickets and more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. Alex, how are you doing?
1: I am feeling great. Connor Bedard is officially a Blackhawk. And though we knew it was going to happen, the fact that it is officially official, it feels
0: great. It really does. Like, I mean, I had just gotten back into town and we had tickets to go see the Buddy Holly story musical. Um, And so I was getting ready to walk out the door and I had it on my phone and we were like walking out the door right at the first pick. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Hold on. And my, I like, you know who they're picking. I'm like, I know who they're picking. I just need to see it to be sure. So they don't screw it up, but they got it right. We got Connor Bedard.
1: They did. And I mean, honestly, I felt 100% confident that it was going to be Connor Bedard. Now, if it was Stan Bowman running the show, maybe I wouldn't be as sure, but I think with Kyle Davidson in charge, a man with a plan, uh, I felt pretty confident in him, though people might not know it because apparently when people go out and walk around in Nashville, they don't know who Kyle Davidson is.
0: To be fair, if he walked around Chicago, there's probably a whole lot of people that wouldn't know who he was.
1: Oh, no, he, he looks
0: like just a guy. I mean, he really just, does. He looks, just he looks he like looks, a guy. Yeah, he's just a guy. Like he's not particularly tall. He's not like unique. He's uh, not an
1: ex-star, you know, it's not like he's Steve Iserman or something.
0: Yeah, like AK is very tall. You're like, okay, he's somebody, right? He's same thing, Ryan Poles is he's everywhere. You you know Ryan Poles is. Rick Hahn,
1: you could see those sideburns from a mile away. <laughs> but
0: uh coil he's, he's just a guy, and he's new on the job, so it's you don't have a lot of access to him. And hockey is, you know, by far and away the least popular of the of the sports. Um, so yeah, it's understandable, but I mean, it's that's kind of cool because you get the you know you get to keep some of the an- anonymity.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think that a lot of people don't really have much of a sample size to look at Kyle Davidson and be like, all right, you know, I recognize his speaking manner, his mannerisms, the way he presents himself. I mean, he's been very public and transparent in Chicago, but remember, this is a rebuilding team. You know, it's not like you got Theo Epstein talking out there. It's not like you have, you know, you mentioned AK, you know, he's very recognizable, You know, he's still very new at this job, Kyle Davidson is. And, you know, if you didn't know him now, you should know him now after that viral video, which I just thought was hilarious, especially the way he carried himself.
0: Somebody who wishes they did have the anonymity is probably David Reinbacker. Um, I don't know if you saw this. So David Reinbacker was the number five overall pick to Montreal, Mm -hmm. and he has gotten... Thousands of hate mail messages already, because people are unhappy that he was chosen. Yeah, that's just <sighs> like here's the thing. Don't have a choice. Was he was he overdrafted? Absolutely. This is there was you know based on the rankings, it should have been the first ten picks should have been, you know, forwards. So but that's not his fault. He just shows up. He went, he plays the best of his ability and he plays hard and he answered the questions and Montreal chose him. Like it's not his fault. Like if you're not happy about it, one, just chill out. Cause you know, if he becomes an elite defenseman, then cool. But you know, that, that anger should be towards your front office. Not, not towards the guy. He didn't do anything wrong. Would you want him to come no. up there when they did call this name, go up there and be like, you fucked up. Nope. Like, what, well, first of all, Carrie price do?
1: didn't get his name right, but that's besides
0: the point. <laughs> it's it's true. <laughs> uh. But honestly, this draft was, was weird. I mean, the Blackhawks got the first pick right. After that, it just, you know, everything went weird. Adam Fantilli,
1: I thought he was a sure lock at number two, but no, he was passed up and then the Blue Jackets got
0: him. Yeah. the And the Blue Jackets, the, I mean, I, they couldn't have been happier. You know, they were, no, oh. they had to be jumping for joy. They were like, we need somebody to mess up and somebody messed up.
1: And they probably felt a little screwed after they didn't win the lottery. So they're thinking, man, we could have had Connor Bedard, and now we're going to miss out on Connor Bedard and probably Adam Fantilli. And yet the Ducks, they didn't take him.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not you know, crapping on Leo Carlson. Um, it could be very good. Yeah. It's just the, you know, the consensus number two guy in this draft was Adam Fantilli. Um, and then uh, the Russian player, Mishkov, you know, talent-wise, probably the second most talented player in this draft behind Connor Bedard.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, if Connor Bedard wasn't in this draft,
0: he'd be number one. The problem <laughs> is that Mishkov is signed to the KHL for three more years. Hmm. and i think teams were worried about that and he falls to philadelphia and i think they just got an absolute steal because yeah
1: i think so too he's really
0: yeah, talented he's really talented is he the fastest skater no but just the shot and the puck handling he's just really good I, I was, t- it's funny. Like, uh, after they, uh, the coyotes picked and they st- Mishkoff still was on the board. I just texted my friend. And I was like, Mishkov to 19. And, and then literally it, it, like I could see the bubbles typing and, uh, the flyers announced that pick and he's like, and, and I just get an answer. Nope. <laughs> well, you know,
1: I was wondering. I'm like, hey, the Red Wings are a few picks away by the, you know, when he was about to get picked by the Flyers. I'm like, hey, the Red Wings and their strong Russian connection, you know, what if, if he fell to them? Doesn't that seem like a match made in heaven right there?
0: Yeah, I still think he's going to get come over here earlier than three years. Yeah, and, I think they can finagle their way out of it. And he insinuated as much as well, uh, like as well. I, I don't know if they'll buy him out or or what, but um, he'll he'll be over here before that. I think.
1: Yeah, and I mean, listen, a lot of prospects take time in you know whatever league it is, whether it's college or you know the AHL or wherever to develop. But, you know, this is a kid with a, a ceiling where if he didn't have those rights, he'd be up much sooner than three years. Right. I mean, like you would assume.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's very, very, very few players go right from the draft into the NHL. And this year
2: we may only get one. Bedard.
0: Yeah, Um, I I don't know about Fantilli or I don't know. I don't. I mean, isn't Fantilli talking about going back to Michigan?
1: He could. I mean, I'm curious Um, to see. I mean, it's 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 easier said than done. I mean, if you have a chance to start right away in the NHL, wouldn't you want to start your pro career? But I don't know.
0: Absolutely. It just you know depends on when where they see you. Like Mishkov is one that I think. He possibly could have just come right to the NHL. Um, I mean, he's playing pro hockey as it is. At right. A high right, level. exactly. Um, but um, it, it's funny to read on twi- Twitter some people acting like Bedard is not going to be with the Blackhawks day
2: one. The only way he's
1: not is if he's sick, injured or something else that you don't want to say, but you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, he's going to make the squad. He's the most talented player in this organization. Literally.
2: By a long shot.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, our best prospect, flip a coin, either Reichel or Korchinski, and Connor Bedard is infinitely better than both.
1: And you know, and that's saying something because Korchinski, ha- I think he's got a really high ceiling for his position.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think Reichel does too. I think both guys. I think there's a there's a handful of Blackhawks players that have really high potential, and um, you know, we're we're going to see it soon.
1: Yeah, it, but I mean, you know, Connor Bedard, with his potential, I mean, this is franchise changing. We've said it on the show before. We're going to say it again. It's franchise changing. This was one of the most watched drafts ever. I think it was the most watched draft ever. The and, ratings were high.
0: And here's the thing. Does Connor Bedard complete the rebuild? No, clearly no. not. But does, he, does it, he complete the hardest part of a rebuild, which is getting a superstar? Absolutely.
1: It's a monumental step in a process that is very, very long. And that's something, too, that I think we have to recalibrate and keep in mind. We can't understate the importance of Conor Bedard and what he means to this franchise. We also can't fail to mention and really remember that we are still in the early stages of a rebuild.
0: Um, it, it's funny when you hear like the experts talking about like predictions for his um, rookie season and you're just like 45 goals. You're like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> you know, he, he's 17 years old right now. And you're, you're predicting that next season he's going to have 45 goals in the NHL. That's um, it. I mean, I'm not, you know doubting it but it's it's just it's tough to fathom
1: that's a that's a tall 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 task very tall i mean it, for you could be the most talented prospect coming in to to ask a 17 18 year old rookie in the national hockey league to score 45 goals like you said not saying he's not capable of it but that is a tall
0: order what's wild is i mean this was before you were born, probably. Uh Sidney Crosby. Do you know what what he did in his rookie year?
1: I was I, I was born before Crosby was drafted, but that would have been what, oh five? Yeah. Yeah, I was in like fifth grade. <laughs> so uh he I'm not that
0: young. What? <laughs> 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 what do you think? I started the show when I was 11, yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> uh anything pre-COVID is just old. Um, no, you're he, not. Wrong. He had 39 goals and 63 assists for 102 points his rookie season,
1: yeah. And you know what, Connor Bedard idolized. yeah, that was his favorite player growing up.
0: You know what's even more wild than that is. Hmm he didn't win rookie of the year. Was it Ovechkin? Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that makes sense. Could
0: you imagine your rookie year uh, scoring 102 and not winning the Calder?
1: Yeah, that's what happens when uh, you have multiple greats in one draft right there. I mean.
0: And then he just followed it up with the next season scoring 120 points. No big deal. Yeah, I'll just up it.
1: <laughs> now, I don't know if you know this, but the Blackhawks opener season opener is going to be in Pittsburgh against Sidney Crosby.
0: Mm-hmm. I did. I did. um, And uh so that'll be that'll be cool. Like the changing of the guard kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, out with the old and with the young. I mean, Sidney Crosby. How old is he now?
0: he is 36 sounds last you know the the very very tail end of his career
1: well and i mean 36 is pretty old in sports years but especially when you've played how many playoff games on top of that i mean it's the same thing with patrick kane i mean lo- look at how many cup runs they went on. i mean both the penguins and the blackhawks won three stanley cups with kane and crosby So that is a lot of extra time you're playing. And, you know, in all those other years that they made playoffs too, didn't necessarily win a cup, but that's still a lot of extra games. It's a lot of miles on a body.
0: Yeah. It's wild to think that, you know, Crosby entered the league when Bedard was born and they're going to play each other. Yeah.
1: When uh, Kane scored that Stanley cup winning overtime goal in
0: Philadelphia, he was Bedard was five. (laughs) uh but yeah it's it's fantastic to think about um you know the the fact that that we got this game-changing player and now you know with the rest of the draft and your free agency um that you're just building around this guy to optimize around him and you know, looking at I'm not gonna go through the whole all eleven players drafted by the Blackhawks because at the end, just guys, I don't know anything about them.
1: A lot of them um, are lottery tickets, but I do think the next two picks are pretty significant in terms of their upside, what position they play, and the attributes they bring.
0: It will I mean just looking at uh, the the draft picks. And you can clearly see that Kyle Davidson has a type. Right, exactly. I mean being a skater. And so it was, it was guys with some, you know, shorter but you know, I don't want to say stocky, but like well-built, shorter guys that are fast and can skate really well. And then the late picks were behemoths. Um So your second pick, which was 19th overall, which is wild that Kyle Davidson had identified this guy as the guy they wanted, and he was the guy that they were trying to trade up for, and they couldn't make the trade up, but he fell to them at 19, is Oliver Moore from uh, Team USA Under-18, Uh, 18 years old, 5'11", 195 pounds. Um, He's projected to be a top six forward. Um, He can also play uh, power play and penalty kill at a high level. Um, Multiple people say he's the best skater in the draft with elite edge work. Mm -hmm. Um, Needs to work on his scoring a little bit, but he's he's likely going to be your number two center in the future. Um, but he's going to go next year to the university of Minnesota.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think Nazar plays in Michigan, right? I think so. So, I mean, you know, we continue to have high investment in college hockey because some of our top prospects are playing college hockey. So we've watched Nazar this past year and now we'll see a, a similar speed guy in Oliver Moore because Nazar was drafted for his speed as well last year. So watching Oliver Moore is going to be very, very interesting to follow. And as we all know, the university of Minnesota, that's a huge hockey program.
0: Absolutely. Did you see, did you see who he said is, uh, his roommate's going to be there? No, who, uh, Sam Renzel, the Blackhawks draft pick from last year. Oh no, really? Huh? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're going to have Blackhawk teammates, future Blackhawk teammates, uh, rooming together at University of Minnesota. So very excited to see his growth. Um, he's got to work on his offensive skills, but um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about what he can do.
1: Yeah, me too. I think that that was a key pick to get right. We knew it was going to be Connor Bedard, number one, overall. We're like, okay, what's going to be the second first round pick? Are they going to trade up? Are they going to trade down? If they don't trade down or up, who are they going to Pick. And I think that this was a very intriguing one. You know, obviously, these types of draft picks in the NHL, you know, unless you're Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli, one of those guys, you know, you don't have the exposure to those guys like, let's say, you have in the NCAA football or basketball. I mean, clearly, people are well more versed with a lot of those types of guys because they're on the national stage, you know, but you watch Oliver Moore, you watch some of the tape, you look at the attributes he has. You, like you said, you could see that he has a type, does Kyle Davidson. And one thing to note here, it was extremely forward heavy in this draft by the Blackhawks.
0: So oh, it, that's, it fits that was that the mold. strength of the draft. Is right. Last year they went defense heavy and this year forward heavy because of just what was available in the draft. And that makes sense is this drafting in uh, – in the NHL is kind of like drafting in baseball. You're drafting for years down the road. And uh, it's not like the NBA or the NFL where these guys come in right away and, and play you're drafting guys. And you know, the guy you draft this year might lap the guy you draft last year at the same position, because they just, you know, they're, they're all young players that have to, uh, play juniors or college or minors and and work yeah it's their not way linear
1: up. across the board.
0: Yeah. So um you know you're looking for a type. You're looking for a traits that, that you like that you're trying to build. And you know you're essentially uh you're Kyle Davidson, you're your type. You're looking for cheetahs and gazelles.
1: It's an interesting way to put it, but yeah <laughs> you want to know something that's you know obviously you probably know this, but I just wanted to mention this is if you go and you look at the draft pick recap on the Blackhawks website and you realize how many of these draft picks they acquired in trades. like if you look at their first, let's see one, two, three, four, five, their first five picks, three of them weren't theirs. Yeah, you took you took Oliver Moore with the Brandon Hagel pick you got from the Lightning. Um, you had in the second round. You traded one of them, but the ones you kept, you had that one from the Alex Zabrinko trade with the Senators, and the one with the Patrick Kane trade with the uh, New York Rangers.
0: Yep, and and I'll, I'll get to, into this in a little bit, but they've. It's not just this year; they have a bunch of picks. It's next year and the year after that and the year after that they're stacking these for years yeah they're loaded they
1: are absolutely loaded
0: um their their first pick that they made in the second round is one that i'm pretty excited about uh this is a this is a very high ceiling potential player adam guyon um 19-year-old goalie, the very first goalie picked in the draft. And uh, he is not a Corey Crawford type. Corey Crawford was an excellent goalie, but he was one of those, um, you know, kind of formulaic goalies when this he does this. And he did it really well. Not a knock, but Guyon is one of these really athletic Martin Brodeur type Goalies where you know he's he'll stand on his head and ninja kick a puck out of the air because he's so athletic and um and just can do all kinds of crazy things. And he played in the world juniors this year, and he put a mediocre Slovakia team on his back and just carried them and got named best goalie in the tournament. This kid's got yeah, a lot I- of work to do but he has all the talent in the world and he's going to a powerhouse university, a university of Minnesota Duluth.
1: Yeah. You know, I was excited that they drafted him and, you know, right now our future goalies kind of up in the air. I mean, we're going to give a chance to art of Soderbloom this year. I think he should be getting the most of the
0: reps between the pipes. I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, would I say our cupboard is bare at goalie? No, but I'm not sold on anybody yet. And, and to be fair, you know, when we won the three Stanley Cups, uh, there were question marks for the first two at goalie. And oh, sure. I mean, they they kind of figure this out as things go. Yeah, this
1: tends to happen.
0: Yeah. And so, but, you know, to add another name into the mix, uh, you've got Drew Camesso and Soderbloom. And so you've got some guys adding to that room is never a bad thing. And I don't know who will wind up being the goalie of the future. Maybe none of them, who knows? But I like the ceiling that Guyon has.
1: Yeah, I do too.
0: I mean, just, I mean, the couple of clips I saw, I am mean, just, you got, it gives you goosebumps. Um, the next pick uh, was number 44 overall, Roman cancer uh, who plays in the Russian juniors. Um, Played two years in the Russian juniors. Really productive while he was there. Fantastic skater with a lot of speed and really good puck skills. Um, the next pick is uh, Martin Misiak, 18-year-old winger. Um, played on the Slovakia team with Adam Guyon. Uh, he's a really great skater. Um, he's a bottom six type guy. And um and then number 67 they picked Nick Lardis from the OHL Hamilton team and he's another great skater um he got traded to Hamilton where he really blossomed good goal scorer and all of these guys are in the the 59 five, to 511 type range um but after that they got a guy that's 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'6", 6'3". Those later round picks were all
2: big dudes.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, you're you're seeing kind of that pattern where you do need some size, right? So I think that was a good spot to draft those kind of guys.
0: With my favorite being Marcel Marcel. Oh, I love that name. He's 6'4", 242. He's a big boy.
1: That is I, a big boy.
0: I was making notes and I just wrote big. Yeah. <laughs> just big. Um, That's all you need. They got another guy from Sweden who's 6'6". And like uh, he is he is a penalty killer and he is a net front presence like an immovable guy in front of the net. Um, uh, But I mean, honestly, they, they drafted a ton of forwards. Um, Only
1: one defenseman. That was the final pick
0: one defenseman, one goalie. Yep. Uh, uh, Nine forwards.
1: Well, like you said, that was the strength in this draft. Yeah. So they didn't really reach or try to play too creative. They were able to identify the forward talent that they wanted. You start off with some speed, then you go into some size later and kind of went with that plan.
0: And, you know, they had 11 picks in the seven rounds this year. Next year, they're going to have eight picks, two firsts, two seconds, two thirds, a fifth and a sixth. In 2025, they're going to have nine picks two firsts, two seconds, a third, two fourths, a sixth, and a seventh. And in 2026, they're going to have a first, three seconds, a third, two fourths, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh.
1: It's the opposite of Stan Bowman. We had so little picks during his reign. Right. And the thing is, it's like
0: most of these guys aren't going to make it. Um, but it gives you that depth because the more – you know, especially in, in the NHL is the more bites you have at the apple, the more that you, uh, you know, the more likely you are to get a guy that's going to come up and play for your team or be available, uh, you know, just in your, in your farm system to play for Rockford or eventually come up to the the big squad.
1: Exactly. You use the term I was going to use chomps at the apple.
0: So it's, you know, the, the more, you know, the more guys you have, the more likely you are to get a guy that's going to come through. And the problem with the Blackhawks was twofold. You had, didn't have enough guys and you weren't developing them. Well, now we've got, you know, we're, we're bringing in more guys and, and then now the key part is how are you going to develop them? And that's, that's the next big component.
1: Yeah. I mean, remember we've talked about it on this show before that, you know, for the past decade or so, we were probably the worst team in hockey at developing talent, right? we were absolutely bottom
0: tier. Now the, is your
1: chance to completely reinvent that with this new regime.
0: Yeah. The, the, one, the one thing you can commend Stan Bowman on was having an eye for foreign players that you could bring over. Um, but drafting and, and developing, no brutal. Point
2: brutal.
0: You know, you know, it was just years of going to Ice Hogs games, and you're like, all right, this is the best player on the ice hogs. And, and then at some point just going, Nope, they're not going to make it to the Blackhawks,
1: Right. And it's like, you would hear about the hype about some of these guys. And then you just kind of watch them, whether it's in Rockford or it's, you know, when they get, you know, chomps at the apple at the, you know, the NHL level. And you're just kind of like, really? Like, is this really part of the future? And sometimes they go off to other organizations and it looks,
0: they look good. So clearly some
1: systematic issues.
0: And, you know, we we are sort of seeing, hopefully the last remnants of that is uh, we had a trade with Boston and Ian Mitchell was a restricted free agent. And rather than giving them a qualified offer, moved on Yep Um I forgot who who else was uh who's the other player that they sent in that package Um
2: The other restricted free agent Uh I'm blanking Alec uh Oh, is it um Regula? Yeah, Regula.
1: Yeah, Alec Regula.
0: Yeah. And um the two of them were restricted free agents. Blackhawks decided they weren't gonna make qualifying offers and parted ways and brought over um, Taylor Hall, who's a very good player, and Nick Felina or Felino, who uh you know was had a nice year last year. But is older. Um and so you bring in these two veterans, and Taylor Hall is a is a very good player st- still, still. They just the the Bruins needed some salary cap room and essentially gave them to the Blackhawks for nothing. Um and for the Blackhawks, it's helping them reach the salary floor.
1: Yeah, they because they still had a ways to go to get to the salary floor and You know, listen, getting a guy like Taylor Hall, a former first overall pick, you know, he had what, 60 points two years ago? I mean, he still can be a solid, productive player. If you bring in Taylor Hall as a nice veteran presence to have on this team, you know, around Connor Bedard, well, hey, guess what? If he puts up 40, 50, 60 points, I don't know if he'll put up 60 on this team, but if he puts up 45, 50, you have to take
0: that, right? Oh, absolutely. Here's the thing is... For the Blackhawks, it's it's just nothing but wins. It helps you get to the salary cap floor, number one. Number two, he's a, a high pick that has had some success in this league. That's gonna be a veteran presence for Connor Bedard, helping him navigate that. Because there's you know, there's absolutely uh you know, a it's cool to be number one overall, but that's that's a kind of a little bit of a burden and uh that you know you you have these high expectations that you you worry about meeting. So you've got another number one overall pick. Um, And he's still a good player who's going to, you're going to most likely put on the line with Connor Bedard. Uh, And if he's successful, then you have the option of, do you going to keep him or you can flip him at the trade deadline for probably a first plus. Yeah, it's possible. So it's a huge win. Um, you know, he's a Nick Felino, He's uh, he was an unrestricted free agent, but the Blackhawks signed him to, to a way overpriced deal. Um, he was a guy that was probably going to get under a million and the Blackhawks gave him one year, $4 million contract. Uh, but he had a really good season last year and he's a, he's a good veteran. Yeah, he is. Um, The Islanders then traded uh, Josh Bailey and a 2026 second rounder to the Blackhawks um, for future considerations. Um, So the the Blackhawks weaponizing their cap space. And I was a little bit excited because I was like, you know, I think Josh Bailey would be a nice veteran to have on this team. And then like 26 minutes later they bought him out yeah it so, didn't last very long now did it no that was you know the 26 minute career as a Blackhawk you know you gotta you know play some I will remember you <laughs> and do a little montage of of just pictures of him for playing on other teams <laughs> remembering his yeah, Black Hawk's right. career former Blackhawk legend Bailey. Uh but apparent I mean the reports are that you know they they talked to him and and basically that was his wish is to get bought out. So um the Blackhawks essentially bought a second round pick. Um and then they traded a seventh round pick for unrestricted free agent and Blackhawk enemy Corey Perry.
1: Oh boy. This one was, uh, I was not expecting this one.
0: I was not expecting this. And then they signed him to another sweetheart deal, uh, one year, $4 million contract extension. Cause he was, he was an unrestricted free agent. So essentially they, they just got, uh,
1: they got his rights before free agency.
0: Hit. Yes. They got his rights so they could negotiate with him and they brought him in and God, is he aggravating? And maybe he's less aggravating when he's on your team. But when you're playing against him, he is aggravating.
1: Hey, and that's what that's exactly what Kyle Davidson said in his press conference after that. Like he knows that everybody on the Blackhawks fan base hates him. we remember that 2015 playoff series.
0: Um, Yeah, so they brought him over. I don't know what role he's going to play
1: agitator. He's not going to score 20 plus goals anymore. Those days are
0: over. Oh, those days are long gone. I mean, he still has a nice shot. So, uh, I mean, but it's weird that you have this team full of, I'm going to say it again, is cheetahs and gazelles and you bring over a plotting elephant to be on your team. (laughs) Like, you're not going to put him on the line with Bedard. I mean, like, would he score some goals? Absolutely, because he, he's going to get set up and he still has a nice shot. But I don't... like If needed... someone takes a run,
1: run at Bedard, Corey Perry's just going to level them. Right, but... But don't you have other guys for that? Yeah, but you got Corey Perry to do that now.
0: <laughs> uh, so I don't know where he plays. It'll be Interesting. I mean you look um, at the right wingers you have
1: right now on the team, uh just looking at some of them, you got Joey Anderson, Mackenzie Entwistle, Corey Perry, Taylor Radish. So, you know, he's just gonna he's gonna be a veteran on that team. I don't he's not gonna be a
0: first liner, obviously. No.
1: Maybe not a, a third liner. liner probably maybe, third.
0: Me probably third. Um man, this this roster still bare bones cover.
1: <laughs> well, hey, we're about to land into free agency. So by the time people are probably listening to this podcast, free agency will have started and we promise next week we'll recap some of the free agents we signed. But yeah, no, I mean right now it's still bare bones because I mean, you know, I just listed your right wingers. You know, at left wing you got uh Nick Felino, Taylor Hall, Boris Kachuk, jujar Kara, Austin Wagner, Anders Bork, and then over at Uh, center. You got Bedard, you got Athanasiu, Colin Blackwell, Jason Dickinson, Reese Johnson, Tyler Johnson, Philip Kurashev, and, you know, there you go. I mean, that's your depth chart right now, and, you know, there's some figuring out to do, so.
0: So, you know, they imagine that they're probably going to sign a couple veterans that are overpriced, that are short-term, one-year, two-year contracts. Um, and who so cares if you overpay for the next two okay. years? Absolutely. That's, you know, it's, it's your maintaining that cap flexibility for three years down the road.
1: Um, right, right. And th- this, this is where I come back to what I said earlier in this show, you have to remember that this team is still early in a rebuild. So if you're looking for impact Stanley cup, now winning moves, you're not going to get it.
2: Um, the, uh,
0: the interesting thing is, all right. So the only black Hawk to receive the qualifying offer of the restricted free agents was Philip Kurashev. Um, so Anders Bjork, Austin Wagner, and Caleb Jones are going to actually hit free agency tomorrow. Um, that's
1: yeah i'm just reading off the current roster before free
0: agency but kurashev it's interesting because he's a guy that theoretically could be here when we get on the other side of this rebuild sure he's young enough and probably talented enough to be here but it's going to be interesting because they're what kind of contract you give him because it's it's a tough road. You—he's a guy that you don't want to overpay, no, because he's going to be here, and you're not going probably not going to flip him. You need that contract to be a reasonable contract. So, his agent's going to probably come in and be like, "You just gave Corey Perry four million dollars a year, and he stinks, and he's a <laughs> turd." So, what about four million for us? And you know, you, you know, you have to kind of be like. Listen, we're playing this game. You know, we signed him to a one-year deal to get us to the minimum. We need you to be here long term. It's it's a tough it's a tough conversation to have when the agent knows surely knows what they're doing, but you know, they're both team or both sides are going to play the other side of that. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Kuryshev because I I think he is He's a player they like. He's played well, you know, should be brought back. Um, I but, th- I think that's the, the whole intention. So it's just what kind of contract are you going to give him? Because it's, you, you know, cash wise, you can load front load or back load a contract. But as far as your salary cap goes in the NHL, it goes by a- average value. So you're just boom. You can't finagle the the salary cap like you do in the NFL.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, what's really funny about this current roster that I'm looking at right now on ESPN, you know, like Hmm. I said, this is the roster before we hit free agency tomorrow. So the reason I bring up those names is because, you know, they're, they're going to make decisions on who they're going to bring back. So Right now they are tomorrow they will not be. But on for right now on ESPN, Jonathan Taze is still on the roster. So he's on the it.
0: roster. He is on the roster for like for like 12 more hours.
1: If he, if even yes, pretty much. So I'm just saying, like if you want to say that Taze is no longer a Blackhawk, by the time you're listening to this, you're it's he's probably not going to be. But as we're talking right now on Friday night, he still is um technically yeah
0: i mean it's it's true um so it's a uh, you know but thinking about free agency I, I think we're gonna get some surprise names i'm sure think, we will i think they will be active with guys that are willing to do a one year high dollar deal um i wouldn't be surprised if max domi returns
1: I hope so. I just wonder, though, did, did his value go up last year to a point where maybe they don't want to pay that? I, I mean, they can pay it if they want, but would it be reasonable for him to ask for a bit more than he's probably worth? I mean, he's going he's gonna to probably get overpaid no matter what, but to what extent do you do that? Personally, I'd love to have Max Domi back, but he had a really nice productive year last year with the Hawks and a little bit with the Dallas Stars, so... You know, yeah. is his I mean, market value gonna be higher than he's probably worth? Yeah, probably will be.
0: Yeah, it's he's one of those guys like he loved being here. He was really happy to be here. Uh the fans love him, uh the coaching staff loved him. Uh he was productive, and they they overpaid to bring him here, but he he outperformed that contract. Um so it's uh he's a guy that i i i think that you at least have to have a conversation about bringing back um and i'm sure he would entertain it it's whether or not you could get the deal done but i mean that one seems like a at least a no-brainer to to at least you know have that conversation and absolutely try to work out the numbers um so it's It is going to be interesting to see how this shapes up.
1: It will. And I think that one thing as well going into this season is there's going to be moves made. And there already have been moves made that have significance to the infrastructure of the organization. And what I mean by that is they brought in Corey Perry because there was a link to Luke Richardson there. So I think that they're going to be making those types of moves within this is that there's a relevant connection to this organization. Because listen, a lot of this organization's flipped. So they've got a lot of new guys coming from different places. And, you know, you can identify players. Hey, this player played for Luke Richardson when he was a coach in Montreal. Or, you know, when this person was a coach here, they have strong links there. I I think you could see more moves kind of like that happen.
0: Yeah, it's going to be. Ties to the coaching staff, and fits around Bedard. Exactly, that's, exactly. That's the moves you're making, um, because that's right now you're you're not fielding a team. I mean, could you put together a team that makes the playoffs? Absolutely, even even accidentally, because you have a coaching staff that is looks like. From last year that they really got the most out of players, because yes. that that was a garbage roster last year, and they there were times where you're like, man this team is this team is playing too well." <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, we said it multiple times last year, and you know, you're gonna add some guys that like you'd be adding you're gonna have a first line. That's a, a legit first line. Yeah. With Hall and Bedard. You yeah. Like
1: that. Right.
0: And I don't know who will be, who will be the other winger, but it's, you have a legit line. And so you're like, okay, another year of the, these guys being in the system and adding talent, you know, will they make the playoffs? Probably not, but They're, I mean, they're they're going to be, they're not going to be
2: a bottom feeder.
1: Well, and you know, here's another thing too, is when you look at the way this team is being built up, the way you said that, Hey, could they technically build a playoff team if they wanted to? Yes. But the reason we're not doing that is because you would be investing in so much that would impact your future from building a legitimate cup contender. It'd be, it's, it's like, it's like fielding Ryan Pace bears teams over and over and over
0: again. Right. So, I mean, but they're not, I mean, I think, I think even with the, the path that they're taking, where they're getting to the, you know, the cap floor with some veterans and they've added some talent um, with Bedard and Taylor Hall, I, I mean, they're going to be significantly better this year just from that avenue.
1: I mean, it'll be worth watching alone for Connor Bedard being on the team. And I think I could say this with great confidence that you're going to have that building pretty full every night. Oh, absolutely. If they're they're playing competitive and Connor Bedard is lighting the world on fire, people will come out to watch it. Right. And I said multiple times last year too, how surprised I was how well they were able to fill up the United Center last year.
0: So I, was it was it a sellout every time? But no, but people came. I you, was yeah. I was expecting it to be just be able to walk up and and get cheap tickets. And hey, can I sit in the two hundred level? Let me sit on the bench for fifty dollars. Oh, thank you. What
2: a great deal. Um, But I I think they're going
0: to be. A a, a competent team, not good, but they're going to be they're going to be a team that you have to you're not just going to roll into town and whoop their ass.
1: I see really scrappy.
0: Yeah, scrappy, scrappy with some talent, with a, a scrappy, with a good first line.
1: Right. I mean, it's like, you know, around Connor Bedard, you know, you have guys like, you know, Corey Perry and Nick Felino and Andres Athanasiu. It's going to be a sc- scrappy little team. They might annoy the hell out of you, y- you know?
0: Yeah. And then you start looking at the, at their um, prospects and, Korczynski, Sam Renzell, Wyatt Kaiser, Isaac Phillips, um, Alex Vlasic. You're like, okay, those that's some nice defensemen that you've got there. No wonder they were they were fine moving Ian Mitchell, who we thought was going to be the future guy. Um, you look at the forwards: Bedard, Reichel, Mazar, uh, Sovanov, Colton Doc, Cole Gutman, Ryan Green. Like, okay they've got they've got some guys that they're that we're kind of excited about. And then you know Cambesso and Soderblom and Guyane at, at your goalie prospects. This this cupboard's not bare. This you know the the prospect rant the pool is is pretty pretty nice. So Our arguably top 3 in the NHL. So yeah, I
1: I think that you know, they, they already rose their stock pretty significantly last year with what Kyle Davidson was able to acquire. I mean, a lot of those being the draft picks from his first draft last year, but I mean, now, especially there's a lot of value, a lot of value in this farm system. And that's really exciting. It's not just a top heavy. Oh, Hey, here's a bad team with one great player. This is a, Great player in an organization that now has a ton of upside talent.
2: Right. Absolutely.
0: Um, now it's just getting that talent coached up and ready to play for the big team.
1: Yep. It's all about growing now. You're yep. planting the seeds. You're going to water them. You're going to watch them grow.
0: Yep. And you know, once they get here, I like, I like the coaching staff that they have in place.
1: Me too. Me For too. I feel really play. good about Luke Richardson.
0: I think, I think if you can get these guys to a point and pass them them over that Luke Richardson is going to have
2: them playing high-level hockey.
0: Yep. So, I'm 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 excited about the Blackhawks. I haven't ordered my Connor Bedard jersey yet, but
2: that's coming soon.
1: I'm just I'm scared. I'm scared that if I buy his jersey, he's going to tear his ACL or something.
0: Did you did you see somebody ordered a Bedard jersey and it came with the placard Bedrad?
1: Oh, that's funny. You gotta keep that now just for shits and giggles. Bed rad. Connor oh, Bed Rad. Connor Bedrad. Conrad Bed Rad.
0: Uh. Uh, where should we go from here? Should we talk bulls? We haven't talked bulls in a yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: I was just gonna bring this up. And I mean, they're kind of relevant in the news right now. And eventually we had to talk bulls, right?
0: Um so this team was assembled by AKA and Mark Eversley as a, a unit, not a collection of superstars, but a unit that worked together and it all, the glue to make it all work was Lonzo ball. And it's looking like more and more like Lonzo ball is never going to play again.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can
0: put it pretty much at zero, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean they've already said that he's not playing next year.
1: And the th- I mean, they went out and got Javon Carter, the former Brooklyn slash Milwaukee guard. I mean, it, who's probably going to be your discount Lonzo Ball going forward.
0: Yeah. And is he going to replace Lonzo? Absolutely not. But he's going to be he's going to be better than Pat Beverly.
1: Right. I mean, I think that right now you have to look at that move as, Hey, someone's got to fill a type of role and you're not going to just find another Lonzo ball out there. You don't have somebody on the market that's like that or you're not willing to pay somebody that's like that, or, you know, at the price that they want, I should say, you know, there's not somebody out there at as reasonable of a price because, you know, everyone's getting overpaid in free agency and you don't have assets to trade for anybody. So you did what you could by bringing in Javon Carter. And frankly, I really didn't know who he was. And then, you know, people told me, did some research. I'm like, okay, I, I can, I can see why this would be a move to make. And, you know, but again,
0: he was a bull killer. yeah that way he was a bull killer yeah and
1: then i started to remember who he was
0: yeah he's you know he's a a good perimeter defender he's three point he's a three and d guy and they needed the three and d guy um and they re-signed kobe white to a a three-year 33 million dollar deal which i think was good
1: I'm fine with bringing Kobe white back. I mean, he played well down the stretch last year and, you know, obviously he's going to have to keep that going and find consistency because if there's one thing that's really hurt him, it's been consistency because he's had stretches where he's looked good because if he can kind of build off that positive momentum, he had last year and you could rely on him actually being able to shoot the three ball and score a little bit, then that's a good get, but He's got to be consistent because we've seen stretches of Kobe white where you're like, this guy should be in the G league right now.
0: Yeah. But I, you know, they've, they've given up on so many guys that you're like, we can't give up on this guy. Um, I think we have to see him out. Um, so I'm, I'm good with the contract. The one that does make me nervous is they bid against themselves to bring back Vooch. On a three-year, $60 million contract. Um, Here's my
1: my thing. And I'm going to kind of parrot what they said on the radio today. I was listening during work, and I think they said it well. In a vacuum, it's a fine move. Because Vucevic is a good scorer. He's a big guy. So, yeah, there's value there. But you just, with the dynamic of this team... You mix that with, and, and it's just, when, when they resigned him, all I could kind of go was, "Nah." You didn't lose him for nothing, but you're going to keep him around for three more years. We see his strengths, we see his weaknesses, and he's no spring chicken. He's what, 33 now? Yeah. And it's what, how much guaranteed?
0: Uh, I think it's... Three-year, sixty million, all guaranteed.
1: So I mean, it, it just—it's just meh. I'm not—I don't love it. I don't hate it. I—I I, I think I've just kind of resigned that this is where we are. I mean, this—you're—you're you're running this back, essentially. You're running unless you, you go out and trade, Demar Derozan. You're running this back, and. We can spend hours talking why running this back isn't good enough, but that's, that's the reality of this. And, you know, while other teams in the city of ours would make me more upset, I I just, I feel like I'm so numb with the way the bulls have been for so many years. It's just kind of
0: like it it is what it is. And here's the thing. This is, this is the, the devil's advocate, what they're going to say. Well, look, when we brought Patrick Beverly in, who was the poor man stopgap at point guard, is we beat a lot of the top teams. We made it to the playoffs, and the team that we lost to in the ended up going to the NBA Finals. That's what they're going to say. So they're like, if we bring this squad back, but bring in a real, uh, bring in a point guard and you know better shooting from perimeter then you know we've got a shot to to make noise
1: but here's the thing that we all understand one of many things but i think this is one of the defining differences look at miami look at the run they went on what two things do they have they have a guy in jimmy butler who up up until the finals shined brightest when the moment was big. We don't get that from a lot of these players. We've seen it from DeMar DeRozan, but
2: Jimmy Butler is a pretty different level
1: in the playoffs that we've seen. Number two, and I think this is really important, the Heat have superior coaching. Absolutely. They they, they just do. Billy Donovan to me is a replacement level coach. He's not bad. He's not great. If you're going to tell me you would choose Billy Donovan over Eric Spolstra, you're nuts. But if you're going to tell me that Billy Donovan is Jim Boylan, Fred Hoiberg level, it's also nuts. He's a replacement level slash maybe slightly above replacement level coach in
2: my eyes. Billy Donovan is an above average coach. he but he is he's not a an elite head
1: coach. He's like he's like a coach that's obviously I'm not saying like this is results here, but if you had to make like a an analogy, he's the coach of a team that's like a six seed every year. right. It's like, okay, you're a good enough coach to carry your team to the playoffs. You're better than a number of coaches. But you sure as hell ain't one of the top. And you're not going to make it all the way to the end. Now, you know, obviously, roster construction is, is a factor, but better coaches get more out of certain players. And I don't think that Billy Donovan is bad at his team, you know, putting together effort but there are times when they just do things or when billy donovan makes in-game choices towards the end that just make you scratch your head
0: absolutely yeah i i mean i think he was one of the problems with this team uh you know can you do worse yes but you can do a whole lot better too but that's their guy and they're gonna stick with him
1: Exactly. And I think that what's a shame is that the Bulls, once again, they back themselves into this corner where they're stuck watching other teams being able to do more. You know, you're, you're sitting back and watching other teams making big coaching hires around you. I mean, you've, you've pretty much locked yourself in with Billy Donovan yep and it just with Billy Donovan it's, it's like I said it's not like he's a bad coach but there's only so high you can go with that level of coach it's like everything with this Bulls team has a ceiling and that ceiling is not a high seed championship contender it's just below that
0: no it's this is a team that if everything goes right and you see guys play their best and stay healthy that maybe a fifth seed
1: maybe i I mean here's the thing cleveland is getting better and the new york knicks are no slouch either so you know you're not better than milwaukee you know you're not better than boston you know you're not better than philadelphia like those are absolute right like we can Mm -hmm. put that even though you played them in the playing tournament, you're not better than Miami.
2: Agreed. Yeah. Right now.
1: I don't think you're better than Cleveland. Close maybe, but I don't think you're as good or better. And I think you could kind of say the same thing. Maybe you're on the level of the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks had a pretty nice season last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, every team that's going to have a or every year you're going to have a team that sort of falls because of sure, injuries there's a little or, fluctuation or, you know, uh, you know, going backwards. But I'm saying is best case scenario. This is a fifth seed team. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. That's their season, because. I think.
1: Right. I, I agree. I mean, you know, right now you look at the rest of the, the rest of the Eastern conference and you kind of look where the bulls are. And I, I think that's a very reasonable ceiling because, you know, you look at last year, you went 40 and 42. I mean, you were the definition of mediocre 500 team last year. You were 488, uh, two games below. When you're, when you have 40 wins, you're, you're, you're just basically a 500 team. Cause you're one away from literally being one. So f- 500 type team. So, Last year's fifth seed was the Knicks. That's 47 wins. I think the ceiling with this Bulls team, you know, you include the addition of Javon Carter and you say, okay, look, you brought Kobe White back. You brought Vooch back. Vooch is another year older. And then for the time being, assume you're going to have DeMar and Zach Levine unless DeMar gets moved. But for right now, if you assume he's going to be on the team, he's going to be another year older. And, you know, let's say best case scenario next year, you have a healthy Zach Levine. He's a bit more consistent. Maybe have a bit more of a healthy Alex Caruso as well. So you put that all together and you say, okay, last year's fifth seed was the Knicks. They had 47 wins. And you look at the potential ceiling of this Bulls team, I think mid-40s, maybe 46, 47 is reasonable. I don't think it's much higher than that, to your point.
0: And- honestly is you look at the Denver team and you have no chance of beating them
1: hey they beat the crap out of them in that one game somehow but that's regular season
0: yeah it's it's funny now that the world gets a view of Nikola Jok- uh, Jokic and, he, and he, he is hilarious without Knowing he's funny. Oh, I when love him. Like he, he's a guy that doesn't love basketball. He's just really good at it. It's a job though. Like that guy. Oh, Hey, you excited about the parade? Uh, no, but I gotta go. You, would you excited totally about playing? Are you excited about be- playing in the finals? I'd rather be home with my family. i love it i love it so much it's amazing i can't i can't watch enough of clips of him yeah it's it's pretty great like oh hey you posted like one of the best games uh, series ever in in the finals really Hmm. i don't know not that impressed (laughs) like just just a humble funny guy that doesn't love basketball is literally a job like it's funny there's people that are just absolutely passionate about basketball love the game and this is a guy who is probably the best player in the world and it's just a job that he does to to make the ends meet and you know give his family a better life it's so funny.
1: It is. Uh, it, that's the kind of personality you love seeing like a superstar be at in any sport.
2: Uh I've got the hiccups. Um All right. Uh Oh man, Susie Colbert
0: laid off.
1: ESPN just did a massive purge of yeah. layoffs today. Van Gundy was laid off, Max Kellerman was laid
0: off. Oh, Max Kellerman was laid off too?
1: Yeah, I mean Oof. this here I mean here's the thing, that that industry is relentless. It's brutal. You saw what happened with the Athletic, right?
0: I I heard I heard some rumblings, but I didn't follow it up. They gutted a bunch of their uh writers.
1: Yeah, including Jabe Spegan, who covered the White Sox, just completely left away. Really sad. I mean, he did good work over there, and a lot of people, a lot of good people, hardworking people lost their jobs. I just the, the industry, that the the sports media industry is just it's it's a really, really
0: tough one. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing is they they grew so fast. I mean, the athletic the prime example they they just grew so fast and you're like how how are they making this profitable and you know i'm not going to argue that the athletic didn't put out quality work i subscribe to the athletic um but you're like how, how are they financially going to make this work and espn just kept growing and giving these people stupid salaries and and then it just kind of came to a head where they're like, okay, hey, we've got to back off here. Um and it's they're and they don't learn from it. It's they they're just like, oh, we're gonna get as big as possible, and then we'll just lay off. And you know, yep, it's, it's part of it is just like, hey, you, you can't overpay people, like why is Stephen A. Smith make that much money? Nobody likes Stephen A. Smith sure he's your biggest personality but nobody likes him why is he your biggest personality develop Does he better personality. controversy yeah develop better personalities and then you know uh and 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 stay reasonable um
1: well you know um
0: Keshawn johnson gone uh They canceled the morning show with Keyshawn and Jay Williams.
1: They did, yep.
0: Max Kellerman gone. Susie Kolberg gone. uh, Todd McShay is gone. Steve Young is gone. Matt Hasselbeck gone.
2: um, Jason Fitz gone. Man, they just... It
1: was a huge purge, huge. It's like you can't even keep track of who's even left anymore.
0: Yeah. Jalen Rose gone. Fayette Gundy gone. Lofonzo Ellis gone. Um, yeah. And the crazy part is, is the, the operating budget grew 56% last year.
2: Wow.
1: Over half? That's that's crazy.
0: ESPN or Disney, which owns ESPN, is laying off seven thousand people. Sheesh.
2: Wild, wild, wild. Yep. But Stephen A. Smith is still there. He's like he's invincible. He's he's not going anywhere. Right? Crazy. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know who still works there. Beats me. Um,
1: I really haven't watched much ESPN in recent years, to be
0: honest. Kendrick Perkins, J.J. Redick, and Shannon Sharp are still there.
1: Well, isn't Shannon Sharp leaving? Uh, didn't he just? He's leaving. Um, with skip right that the show was skip he just so yeah, left he, that he
0: left that wasn't that on fox though yeah it was it was yeah, fs when he came over um yeah full list of espn layoffs so far van gundy jalen rose max kellerman Keyshawn johnson todd mcshay Hasselback, ashley brewer suzy colber steve young lafonso ellis jason fitz june lee jordan cornett david pollock nick fredell
2: Hmm.
1: Just amazing how much is gone now. Yep. Really hasn't been good since Stuart Scott died. He was one of the
0: very best. Stuart Scott was great. I loved Stuart Scott.
1: I, there, I don't think there was a person I knew who followed sports who didn't like Stuart Scott. Like pe- people have their preferences, but like Stuart Scott was universally loved.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, Stuart Scott was great.
2: Um, Trying to even think of anybody that even came close. I mean, he kind of stands out as the GOAT for me.
0: I mean, I was never a big fan of Van Pelt or dan patrick or olberman or kenny main
1: Ugh, ryan
0: kenny Ugh. Um,
2: you know it was it was a. Uh, Stuart scott was the goat he really was it was really sad when he died oh, cancer absolutely. is such a bitch um yep. Absolutely. Um. Didn't even make it to age fifty.
1: Such a shame. Yep. But he'll be remembered for a very long time. For and, good reason. And he's a Chicagoan. Yes, he is.
2: Yes, he is. A Chicago legend. All right. Should we go to baseball a little bit? Sure. You know,
0: we didn't we didn't do a show last week and that show would have been a lot different than this show than was the week before talking about Cubs baseball.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's face it. After that first London game when we demolished the Cardinals 9 to 1, we were probably hot Riding as high as we were about this team in a few years. They yeah. were a game under 500, and they entered in the second London game, only needing to beat like their spot starter. It was like, we were going into that game, like With the back- on the mound. With Stroman on the mound, right. It's like we were going to that game facing the backup quarterback. And then here you are, first inning, you, you snap of a finger, you score four runs, you're up four nothing like everything is looking millhouse and then boom, one of the worst misplays you'll see at first base ever. And it all just, all just unraveled. The next thing we know we're getting swept terribly by the Phillies.
0: Yeah. And then it just from there, like, you know, they were already giving the excuses well, you know, we have, you know, we came to London and we're going to lose our off days because of this. And we're, we're going to have jet lag. And you just knew that they weren't going to be winning games.
1: And, you know, here's the thing, you know, momentum or not. You, you, you did run into a bit of a buzzsaw because the Phillies are red hot right now. That offense is potent and it's clicking. And you had two of your three toughest matchup pitchers. Jamison Tyone just has flat not been good this year. No, he is not. And it just, it doesn't look like he trusts this stuff. And it's just, it's been a real struggle, a real, real struggle. And, you know, Drew Smiley, The numbers have looked good this year, and there have been a number of starts where Smiley has legit looked good. But if you watched his last few, you kind of saw him smoking, mirroring his way out of some not as good command and hard contact. Like, if you watched the start before against Pittsburgh, he got a lot of line drive outs and some lucky swings at pitches that just weren't very good. I don't think Smiley is going to be like awful the rest of the year. All I'm saying is, the way he was trending the past few games, it looked like a clunker was inevitable. And sure enough against the Phillies, it was, it just, you felt like there was going to be a regression game and you got it.
0: Yeah. I mean, when we, we re-signed him, like I, you know, you were like, you hope for the best with him and, but you know what kind of pitcher he is and it's, you put a good defense behind him and it's for the most part, turned out pretty well yes if you're if you're in a a must-win game you don't feel good about him being in there
1: no i mean it's no it's he's he's really meant to be a four or five starter
0: yes and i mean if honestly if you're in a must-win game if it's not Strowman or Steele, you don't feel good Uh, Hendricks has pitched pretty well.
1: I will say Kyle Hendricks has looked pretty good.
0: But uh, uh, do you feel good if he has to pitch in a must-win game in 2023?
1: Better than Smiley or Tyone? Absolutely. But to the level of Justin
0: Steele or Stroman? I mean, I feel better about Wesneski coming in and getting the start over Tyone. Yes, at this point. um. So, uh, you know, but I, I mean, Justin Steele is. He's just, awesome. Just awesome. He's
1: awesome. Like today he goes out there. First two batters hits a guy and then an error. And then he comes right back and just gets out of it. And then even remember the London game too. He ran into trouble at the end of his start he had like two guys in scoring position, nobody out to run in. And then he just strikes out the next three guys. Yep. Like that is a bulldog out there. Dog.
0: Dog. Dog. And I'm going to say this. Is. I think you have to re-sign
2: Strowman. You
0: can't I,
1: go more than three years, though. I am going to say that. No,
0: no, I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'm fine overpaying him for three years. Um, and
1: if you're going to keep him around, which I'm totally for, you can't have him as your number one the next few years. No, Justin Steele is your number one. Just here's like, look, look at Sunday's game against the Cardinals. Okay, so he had a blister who was bothering him. That's going to make an impact. But here's the thing, too. When he's good, he's good. And he does rely on contact. But when you rely on contact, there's going to be games where things just don't go right. I mean, my, my whole, the, the whole thing I'm trying to say here is the Cubs are going to need a number one that's going to miss bats. And as effective as a number of these pitchers have been, you don't have a lot of that.
0: Like, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Just the market in the off season is not good. And you're a team that is now entering their, Hey, you better win period. You better start winning. And. If you trade him off, I don't think you're going to get the value that you want in a trade. And if you let him, if you don't resign him, he walks away for nothing. And are the Cubs in striking distance of first place? No, but they, they're not out of it by any stretch.
1: They've, it's just so annoying. The Reds and the Brewers will just not stop winning.
0: So it's it's one of those things. It's like you were on the the precipice of making that decision. Like, all right, do we do we trade him off? Do we re-sign him? I there's those are the only two options. You can, you cannot just let him hit free agency. Period. Like they can't. That's that's just a terrible move. Can we agree with that?
1: Yes. And, like, you know, here's the thing. You can look at it this way. Think about the future going forward. Don't think about it as just this year in a vacuum. So deciding on Stroman, either getting him for something or extending him, that's optimizing for now and tomorrow. You know, you're not thinking of this year as a vacuum necessarily. Because here's the reality: even if you're in this race, this team is in no way good enough to win a World Series. So, Absolutely. It, it, th- you know, here the way I see it is, make the moves necessary that are going to benefit you beyond now. So, if that means extending Stroman, extend Stroman. If that means making another extension with somebody else, do it. But you're not going to put your chips on the table for this year. I mean, really, I see the trade deadline as, for the most part, you kind of stand pat. I mean, I know Tom Ricketts said, oh, we're going to be buyers, which I like the attitude, but really, what are you going to buy that's going to make you a legitimate contender this year?
0: It's... Yeah, I I don't want them to be buyers, unless they they just go on a hot streak and... And even then I want it to be minimal buyers. Like, oh, they you know, can we'll add, add a things bullpen. for cheap at yeah, yes. a, bull, a bullpen arm or something. But I, no, you're not going to um, trade
1: for a number one starting pitcher. You're not going to trade for a superstar, all-star bat. You're going to make little moves, little ads, perfectly fine with that. Even if you're not in first place. But, and, and the other thing too, is, I mean, you're not really going to sell much if you were. Maybe you sell a few bullpen arms, but unless you sign Stroman, you don't extend him, but, and then maybe Cody Bellinger, but most of your guys are kind of locked down.
0: Right. So. Yeah. I, I, I just, here's the thing is you need regardless of what happens this year, you know, if you feel that you're too far away to go for it uh, at the trade deadline, cool. But, Next year, you should be good enough to win your division or at least compete for the division. But part of that is you need a rock solid starting rotation. And if you let Strowman go, which, okay, uh, it is not per se about Strowman. You have to have somebody equally as good replace him. And you don't. Hendrick, Unless you're
1: as confident in the farm system.
0: Uh, you but okay, so who's under contract for next year? Steel, it, yep. Uh, is it's a two
1: year deal for Smiley, technically.
0: Is it a op? So, okay, so you have Smiley next year, let's call him your four or five. Okay, so you've got sure, Steel as is going to be your number one. And you'll call Smiley your five. Who's two, three, and four?
1: I think the hope is for Ben Brown and Jordan Wicks to be part of the equation.
0: Okay, but but else? we
1: they we don't know who they're going to be though. We don't know.
0: Yeah, you. I mean, that's that's a that's a big a big ask to have. You know, basically three young players be the. Anchor of your rotation
1: I also do think And I don't know if it's going to be true or not But I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of the Cubs I, I I think that they're going to do their darndest to make Hayden Wisniewski A thing And I still think he can be
0: I still think he can be too Because he's got He's got nasty stuff
1: Yeah, it's just It's not being executed properly And they need to find out how to
0: Optimize that and that's an off-season thing, I think.
1: Right, right. And, and I mean, it, uh, Sean, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I'm just trying to think of the way they're
0: thinking. Right. I, I'm just saying is that's a, that's a lot of a big ask to rely on. So, I mean, let's say in a, in a dream scenario for them, it's your rotation is Steel, Wesneski, Brown, Wicks, Smiley. And all those guys just make it that's their dream scenario what are the odds though like of that happening it's a big ask i think you know i mean honestly i think more likely is they
2: uh um
0: they trade stroman and try to try to bring back uh Kyle Hendricks for you know a 2 year deal or a 1 with an option
1: maybe i
0: i, I just i just feel that having Strowman, even if he regresses having a veteran there makes makes the the pressure on the young pitchers less because then, then, I mean, let's, let's just say that your best case scenario comes to fruition and Wesneski figures it out and gets to the starting rotation and, and has command of that nasty stuff and Brown and Wicks come up and then smiley smiley is competing with Stroman for a spot. That's a no brainer. So, even if he regresses, you're like, oh, okay. There we go. But, you know, if if Wesnesky doesn't find the command or they feel like he's going to be a bullpen arm and, you know, Wicks needs another year and, you know, or could they, Brown and Wicks come up and they, you know, they have their ups and downs or get injured. Like where, where's that other starter? I just, I just, it's, it makes me nervous. It's money. This team has the money. They're a big market team. Mm -hmm. Pay the money. You know what the Dodgers would do? Pay the money. You know what the Yankees would do? Pay the money. You know what the Red Sox would do? Pay Pay the the money. money. Mm -hmm. And the Cubs just pay the money. And you know, who cares if it's, the value or if you're in the luxury tax just pay the money you're gonna have you're gonna have jason hayward's contract finally off the books
1: tom ricketts flashes the pumpkins at gallagher way chart every time they try <laughs> to make a decision
0: yeah. uh, uh if if we pay stroman this amount of money we have to sell this many tchotchkes <laughs>
1: The, the chart has like Strowman value
0: with his face next to it. And he's putting the value chart in pumpkins. I worry about an extension because we'll have to give them an extension before we have the pumpkin sale. <laughs> we're already spending pumpkin money that we haven't made. <laughs> Last time a third of them were rotten by the time they got here. That's my favorite term now for, for a, how much the cubs have to spend. They got the, the pumpkin money. <laughs> pumpkin money. <laughs> uh, every time Jed's like, I'd like to bring this guy in. And uh <laughs> and Tom's like, you got that pumpkin money? <laughs> they have, everyone in the Cubs organization has a
1: special calculator tab where it's like <laughs> you equate the number in pumpkins and you
0: see what you can afford. <laughs> it's it's there's no numbers, there's just pictures of different kinds of pumpkins it's not even digital it's literally just
1: like a slide chart it's an abacus except
0: instead of the beads it's pumpkin (laughs) (laughs) every member of the front office has their own sliding over pumpkins all right we made nine pumpkins slide them over moving a 10 pumpkin spot Here's
1: five pumpkins today. One, two, three, four,
0: five. <laughs> uh, uh, but this uh this team, they uh you know they ran into a buzzsaw in the Phillies and, and you know I'm not gonna argue coming back from London you expected you expected some regression and Um, and it just, it just sucked came at a time when they had so much momentum and we were, we were totally expecting that series to be a 500 team playing against the Phillies and it just didn't happen.
1: Yeah. Um, And and honestly, what really sucked about the Phillies series was you have a finale, That was very winnable. Kyle Hendricks pitched really good again, and you wasted a million chances, and you forgot how many outs you are, and you tried to bunt. Uh,
0: The bunts.
1: But Nick Madrigal redeemed himself, as did the Cubs on Friday, with a 10-1 win over the Guardians, and Nick Madrigal homered.
0: Yeah, Nick Madrigal, the power monster, hit a home run. Um, I believe that was his first of the season.
1: First in like two years. Maybe three years. Um, I think the first time he hit the last time he hit when he was a rookie on the White Sox.
0: And uh you have you you bring Young in to play first base, and he's hitting the baseball well.
1: Young looks great so far. That swing is. I'm
0: nice. just nervous. I'm getting Frank Schwindel vibes, though.
1: Well, but. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Enjoy him while it lasts, if that's the case. I do think, though, he's got a bit of a higher ceiling than Frank Schwindel. But oh but, yeah, because trust me, I hear you.
0: Yeah. Um. I just, I just feel that every time we get some productivity at first base, that the the venomous snake comes and bites it, and you know it's, it's like a snake bit position.
1: Well, the uh, snake has Anthony Rizzo's head on it. It's possible.
0: Um, But uh, <laughs> it yeah, just I mean, draws
1: uh, out from under first face and bites him. <laughs>
0: <sighs> it's but,
1: blue with Anthony Rizzo's face on it.
0: Uh, it. it. It does suck, though, that we get this offensive outpour when we don't need it. And those games where you're like, oh, my God, we pitched well enough to win. Um, and we couldn't get run support. Then you, you know, those are the games when you just need to get that run support. Like yesterday, uh, three, one loss to the Phillies. It's it's Hendricks. Like, did he pitch great? No, but he pitched well enough to win the game and the bats were just ice cold.
1: I mean, it was seven innings, three runs is pretty darn good. He just had the one bad inning.
0: It was the, yeah, the one bad inning. And you were pay, playing against Taiwan Walker, who uh, is, a, I believe, before going into that game, I believe he was an over four ERA guy.
1: Yeah, but it, it never it, it always seems like we have trouble beating him. For some reason,
0: yeah, it's every and then Kimbrell comes in and gets the save.
1: Uh, it's, it's just frustrating because that last game you had multiple innings where you had multiple guys on. You could have easily won that one. If you would have if you would have at least salvaged that game, I think we would have felt even better today after the 10-1 win over the Guardians. I think we would be more than okay if we would have swept the Cardinals in London, salvaged the finale against the Phillies, and then won today. So it's like, okay, you lost two really bad games in between that. It happens whatever
0: the Phillies are good. We'd be feeling pretty different, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't, you know, but you get swept. After losing a game to the Cardinals, it just that look, it's a, it's a bad look. um, And, you know, you've got to, you've got to go on another run. You, I mean, you just sort of have to, to stay, keep pace with the front runners in this division. Cause like you said, is the brewers, the brewers are keeping pace and the reds
2: are playing red hot. Right.
0: And eventually yeah, they're, not, they're ev- not slowing down. Eventually the Reds are going to come back to earth.
1: They can't give up five to 10 runs a game and keep winning. They just can't.
0: Yeah. They have no pitching. They eventually will come back to earth. Um, I don't think the brewers are as good as they have been playing. That's the good news.
1: They just keep finding annoying ways to win.
0: The problem is that this division is nobody wants to die the Cardinals are the team that's closest to dying, but even them, they've gone on a couple of runs in the season. And though you see those
1: last two games against uh, the Astros.
0: No, they, they got creamed. But I mean, you know, they've, they're always going to be there until they're not there. But the pirates, the pirates are sticking around. And they Um, were,
1: they were reeling for a bit and then they started to win some games again.
0: And the reds, the reds are playing well and the Brewers are playing well. So it's, but they've all, I don't think any of them are juggernauts. So if you're the Cubs, you just, you've got to, you've got to play more consistently. You can't go on four plus game losing streaks. You've got to start. You can't, you can't get swept in series. Um, and you've got to start pulling some of these wins out to, to keep pace and, and eventually start, uh, you know, nipping at the lead. Right. Um, and the other side of town, I mean, you've got the run support. Why is Tim Anderson still being batted so high in the order?
1: Wasn't it Ozzy Guillen that said that if they had any guts, they'd move him down in the order? Like he literally used those words, and we know Ozzy Guillen does obviously does not hold back.
0: Yeah, and he's right. And a lot of times, I Ozzy's just being Ozzy. He's dead right, though. Tim Anderson has something mental and physical going on. It is a combination. He is just not right, and. To the point where that, you know, a few weeks ago, there was, you had rumblings of people going, yeah, I don't think the White Sox should pick up his option. And most folks kind of, went, man, you got to pick up the option, and mind your business. But now you're, you're getting to the point where you're like, do we have to pick up that option? I, I still think you do. If you're not going to trade him, I don't, but he doesn't have any trade value. Right. That's but if, if he,
1: if he goes, then who are you replacing him with?
0: That's the thing, but he has been just dreadful.
1: It's, it's been bad. It's been bad. I mean, I, I, I just think he has to get right again, whether physically, mentally, maybe he just needs to go on a hot streak at the plate. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but he's got to get right again. I mean, that's that's for
0: sure, because he's kind of essential. Here's the thing. Sebi Zavala has a higher OPS than Tim Anderson.
1: Isn't Sebi Zavala batting like 170? Uh,
0: 165. Wow. And he has a higher OPS than Tim Anderson. Wow. And you might go, oh, you know, well. uh, Maybe Sebi, Sebi Savala is crow, uh, crushing the ball when he hits it. No, his slugging is 330. And his OPS is 540. His wow. OPS is 540, and it's higher than Tim Anderson's.
1: Yeah, that's, that's wow.
0: Tim Anderson is never going to be a walk guy. And he's never going to be a power guy. He's got some deceptive power. Like, he can hit a home run. Sure. But it's not his thing
1: he's not going up he's not going up there to look to hit
0: 20 plus right um he's got sneaky power he's not he's not a nikki two strikes where you know if he gets a home run it's a newsworthy thing but <clears throat> but timmy anderson's not a walk guy either he's a base hit guy and he's batting 231 his on base percentage is 270 not good oh. enough
1: And we know how good he, is. we like, we know he's so much better than this. And there's clearly just, it's, it's gotta be that combination of physical and mental because, you know, when when there's things like that going on, it makes it tougher to play. And you know how much better he is than this.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this year, zero home runs, 11 RBIs, 230 batting average.
2: Just not good. And you're going to need it, it because I mean.
1: They're 11 games right now. As of right now, when we're recording Friday night, going to their series against the A's, they're what 11 games under 500.
0: They're um, only
1: four and a half back.
0: Yeah, they are 11 games under 500, but yeah. they've got a series against Oakland who's not good you have you have to sweep Oakland yeah you do Yeah, yeah you have to sweep them and you know in the last 10 the twins are four and six the guardians are six and four the tigers are five and five you're five and five and the royals are four and six you're four and a half games out of first nobody in your division is at 500
1: that I mean that division is an embarrassment It it truly is. But you know what? If you have a chance to win it, I mean, they're going to go out and try to win it. That's the way I see it. I, I know we can talk about how good are they really, you know, what are their chances. But, you know, I just I don't see them throwing
0: in the towel if they're right there. The problem is, is we keep talking. They're only four games out. They're only five games out. Um, oh it's it's a broken record it's a broken record and at some point four and a half four or five games is gonna might as well be a million games out of first because you won't be able to make up the ground it's I mean well yeah every every week that goes past the four five four and a half whatever games that you're behind it just becomes a little bit harder to reach you know if you fall behind four games in april you you know what ever nobody could hit we had injury things okay you're like we have the rest of the season we have 130 something games to come back no problems but every week that you get closer and closer to the middle of the season and towards the end of the season it gets harder and harder to overcome those games. And can they do it? Absolutely. This is a bad division. But until you do it, it's it's all conjecture. It's all, you know,
1: well, what it, I think what I think is giving people some different thoughts now is your schedule's easing up. I mean, you had a pretty tough schedule, but I mean, you're, you're going to have plenty of games going forward against Oakland and Kansas City and Detroit. And like, I think they're probably playing like Colorado. I mean, it, much more winnable games. So I think that's where you could say, hey, this really is their chance to take over because I don't see any well, anyone else in that division taking over right now. It is absolutely putrid. But I mean, to your point, we've been saying the same thing week and week and week. And it's, the thing is, is that, Every week we say it, more time runs out, and eventually they're going to have to make a decision when it comes to the trade deadline. I don't see the White Sox falling far out enough for them to be sure sellers right now. The division is that bad. Their schedule gets a little easier in some series, and I do think you are seeing some positive things. You're seeing Luis Robert crush the ball. You're seeing Andrew Vaughn hit too. You have...
0: You know, there are some easier series. Like you've got a three-gamer against Oakland. You got to win. Um, but here's your remaining schedule before the trade deadline. Three against Oakland. Three against Toronto, who's not That's a slouch. tough, And you got three against St. Louis in Chicago.
1: Yeah, St. Louis is reeling, but you can't They're still reeling. count them
0: out. Um, you get the uh, all-star break. Then you go to Atlanta for three. Atlanta gonna is going to beat the brakes off you. They're they're like a juggernaut. Then you get three in New York against the Mets, who they're they struggling. Suck. They but, suck. But on paper, that should be a really good team. This is the one where you, you're like, man, we've got to win this. You ha- You go to Minnesota for three. Mm. Then you play two against the Cubs. And then you end the month and the, uh, you know, the, the trade deadline with four at home against Cleveland, like this, this is a schedule where it's up and down. Yeah. It's up and down, but you've got seven games against teams in front of you. You've got to pay like, you know, the, it's, and in my opinion, those are winnable for them. The division sucks.
1: I just, I don't know if they're going to do it. I'm just saying
0: the the crappy thing though, is, you know, it's almost like the head to head games favor the team that's in front, just because the more likely outcome is you, you're going to split. Right. Right. So, you know, go two and two against Cleveland. Then Cleveland just holds their lead. You know, even if you go, even if you win the series against Minnesota and win two of three, you gain one game on them. Um, You know, that's just the more likely scenario is that you win two of three and you gain one game. It's, you got to do a little better. Um, You know, I don't think the White Sox are going to be buyers.
1: I just, I I, don't know what's going to happen here.
0: Cause I don't even know what they would give up. Like they're, coming mean, bear. I mean, you would
1: probably have to trade some of your young pitching prospects who have some promise they are a ways away, but you might have to sell some of those. I mean, do you bring up Oscar? I think you bring up Oscar Colas soon again. He's been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball in triple a, that might be a boost for you. I'm not saying they're going to be a big buyer. I just don't know if they're
0: going to sell or not. If you're in it. I don't think they're going to sell. I don't think they're going to buy either. And I think that might be the right move.
2: Right. Um, But. uh, You know. You've got. Burger who has been
0: arguably your best hitter he's coming back down to earth I, but... i'd
1: go down i'd go to Luis robert with that he's been I, i'd say okay Luis robert
0: but burger burger is then your second best hitter then for this yeah, i mean was... most
1: second most productive let's say that i i will give this to andrew benatendi he's been swinging pretty good too he doesn't hit for power but he's a good slappy hitter
0: no and so apparently came to light that he's still ha- recovering from an injury yeah, and that's part of been the power issue. Um But yeah, Ben Attendee has been fine. You're not nobody's complaining about the contract that they signed with him. Uh, but he just no power.
1: But hey, if he
2: can do what he does well, then you'll take it. Oh, absolutely. Um. But, you know, you need you need to get more production, not a second base. Um,
0: and. Grandall hasn't been a bad hitter this year.
1: No, you just don't want him catching.
0: No, he's just a terrible catcher. Um,
1: I think Vaughn's got a pretty solid stroke lately. You know, he's been pretty productive at driving and runs, so
0: yeah i mean he's got good pop in his bat uh eloy hasn't been bad this year
1: no he ha- when he's healthy he's actually been hitting pretty well
0: um you know I, I i mean i you've got you've got several guys that are hitting the ball like they're honestly, hitting for more
1: power as a whole outside of ben Uh
0: but you look and you're like why why is a guy that's hitting so well not scoring runs or driving in runs and it points to like do a better uh you know batting order construction tim anderson should be moved on the lineup i mean you can't take him out of the lineup because you don't have anybody to replace him um but bat him at the bottom of the order
2: big you know he's a big boy is
0: you know make him earn earn moving back up to second you can't have somebody batting that poorly uh batting batting so high in
2: your in your order yeah i it's you know
0: what's even worse is we talked about what a bad bad Uh, batting average he has do you want to know what his batting average is over his last 15 games I don't know do I 111 with a 155 on base and a 130 slugging yeesh do you know what his over his last 7 games a 77 batting average
1: so that's like literally one
0: hit it is uh, two hits in two 26 hits. at okay. bats, okay. two of 26 with a one Oh seven on base and a zero seven seven slugging
2: mm.
0: his OPS in his last seven games is
2: under 200. Oy.
1: that is not the tim anderson we know nope not even within the same galaxy we know he's so much better than that
0: it's so it's not like oh hey this is a fluke thing it's he's getting worse this is not the same guy that that we've seen over the last several years or um you know we saw in the wbc
1: yeah. I mean, we we saw the real Tim Anderson at that point.
0: So I, I, I can't explain it. I'm not going to pretend to understand it. It's just you're. it's the reality you're dealing with. You either need to sit him or you need to move him down the, the order. You, you got to, if you're trying to win games, you've got to, I mean, even, even with Tim Anderson being an automatic out in this batting second, You, you put seven runs up on the angels yesterday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last, the last two games of the angel series, you lose, lose two close games. So you don't score. And then the bats wake up in the next two and you end up splitting.
0: Um, yeah. So it's, you just, you absolutely gotta, you gotta have a better roster construction and Tim Anderson, again, tonight, batting second.
1: You might be able to get away with it with shitty Oakland, but you know when you face tougher opponents.
0: Yep. Um. Yeah, Ben attendee with a cup du- or White Sox are up one nothing already in the first. Ben attendee with a double. Eloy knocked him in.
1: Just as we were saying, yeah.
0: Um. But and Tim Anderson struck out. So you got a guy on second, nobody out. Tim Anderson automatic automatic out, doesn't even move him over.
1: Yeah, you 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 can't keep having that going forward, for sure. Nope.
0: You can't do it. So that 077 batting order or average in his last 7 is about to get lower. Mm. Uh but I don't think there's really anything bears to talk about.
1: No, I don't I I've got nothing.
0: Um I, mean, I guess the only little bit of the thing is Chase Claypool was hosting a camp for kids and was still getting criticized about it.
1: Yeah, well go figure. I did see though the pictures of Darnell Mooney and wow, he's put on some muscle.
0: Oh I know. Yeah, he's he's a uh, he was pumping iron.
1: Looks like he could really smash the mightiest Gallagher Way pumpkin with his fist.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll um, have more Bears talk. I, they've got a there. There has to be an edge rusher coming soon. There has to be
1: edge rusher's coming. Edge rusher's coming. Edge rusher's coming. If anybody knows the reference to Camp Krusty, that's referencing <laughs> Krusty's coming. Krusty's coming. Krusty's coming. Krusty's coming. Uh, how many pumpkins have
0: we got to sell, to- did we have the pumpkin money did i get an edge rusher
1: ding dong george writes in an order with his purple crayon for pumpkins (laughs) he's trying to sell them in front of the hellas hall even though nobody from the public
0: goes by it nobody goes by it and they're not allowed into the property without credentials and he's still sitting there like the players keep walking by uncomfortably and they're like should we buy a pump and the veterans like don't buy a pumpkin. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> George is just sitting there with like a little lemonade stand type table. And he's got it like a little play cash <laughs> register. Little Georgie LIL with a little apostrophe on there. <laughs> little Georgie pumpkin stand. <laughs> Georgie porridgey pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's he's got a, he made a, like a grid of his sails with his purple crayon. It's just nothing on it. He just <laughs> drunk pictures of pumpkins. <laughs> I made a purple pumpkin. That's great, George. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Warren is walking by. He's like, that's good. He's like, you know, there's seven other colors in this crayon box. I only like purple crayons. I eat the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I eat the rest. <laughs> it's my f- purple's my favorite color to draw in with crayon but it's my least favorite to eat <laughs> that's why i don't like- eat it that's why i don't eat it that's why I'm purple became my favorite color doesn't taste like grape <laughs> they they just have to go and get him like a, the eight pack boxes like 20 of them because he just eats the rest of the crayons and he needs all the purples
1: <laughs> that's <is> so disgusting <laughs>
0: Uh, i could go grosser but i'm not i'm just not gonna do it
1: yeah yeah i i i think with that note
0: i think that's gonna do it for this episode of bill swirsky sports talk chicago Uh, george with his rainbow poops
1: i knew you were gonna say it i knew you were gonna say it i could
0: not say it i knew you were gonna say it uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Please hit subscribe. However you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Share this podcast with your friends. that will grow the show. Follow us on social media at Swirsky Sports, uh, Facebook.com slash Swirsky, uh, or at Swirsky Sports, Facebook.com slash Swirsky Sports. Um, ShyFanPad2 for Alex on Twitter or AlexanderJPatCreative.com for all the cool stuff that Alex does and again thank you guys so much for listening until next time bear down Cubs win what a lucky break the good lord wants the Cubs to win we thank Ditka and God for all they
2: have provided Ah!
0: Cubs win Cubs win Ah! Win. Oh, I don't want her, you can have her, she's a packer van. She can't fit in my van, and she looks like... Remember the- New Yorkers, smoking crack is not legal on planes. Bears, 31, the negative 7.
2: The Bears,
0: oh, when the Bears go bearing down.